All right, welcome in now. I'm talking to a guy who I've never gotten a chance to talk to. And so all the years that I've been in Burlington, this is like one of the few UVM legends I've never gotten in touch with. Longtime international hockey star. Helped leave helped lead UVM to a Frozen Four, their first Frozen Four appearance. Played in the NHL, won a Stanley Cup. It's UVM hockey legend Eric Perrin. Eric, how are you? I'm great. I'm great, Brady. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you joining me. And uh, let me ask you this. How involved in hockey are you now? So I know you were playing for a long time, 20-year professional career, essentially. What are you doing now involved in the game? Yeah, I was uh, after I retired uh, last summer, I, uh, I went back to Daytona Beach. We had just vacationed there for the past four summers and uh, just kind of went there to decompress. And it was an emotional ending and stuff. So... Uh, I was just hanging out there, um, sending out my resume and got involved with the arena there in the meantime. Um, and that kind of escalated. Um, we have, uh, you know, really good ownership there that we're looking, that was looking to really push the hockey there, uh, develop the hockey, grow it. Um, and then uh, when they heard I was there, they, they asked me if I was interested in, uh, kind of kind of doing that being the hockey director and and growing uh, growing hockey there so uh we we enjoyed the area so we thought about it and uh, it's something that uh, was kind of down my alley you know kind of you know help the kids and 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 uh hockey development and uh so so we that's what uh, that's what I'm doing are you interested in coaching? Because we had heard the rumors before Todd Woodcroft was hired at UVM that maybe Roger Grillo, your old assistant coach at UVM, was going to come and take the job and that you might have been on his staff. Was that something that you at least ever seriously considered doing? I did. I did. Um, it's something that uh, I think it's in my DNA also, yeah. uh, coaching at the uh, college level. And, and I just felt uh, at that time, no – it was too fresh coming off of a very long hockey career, 22 years um, with my family. I thought they had sacrificed so much for so long. So for me, it was it was hard because it, it's it's you know basically it's a, it's kind of a dream job you know yeah. working in college hockey. But on the other side of things, uh, my son was is 13. Um, you know I want to be there. I want to be at home. A little bit more and yeah. I know how rigorous uh, an assistant coach can be or coaching in in college hockey I mean you're you're going 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 it's recruiting um you know to to because it's a it's a fight out there right now these days you know you got to find the, the right players and commitments and so you know it was really difficult decision for me to kind of step back and and say you know I I thought I was ready, but I'm not. I, I, I needed that a little extra time to to kind of decompress and get away from that a little bit and be yeah. more of a dad for a couple of years. You know, I've got a chance to talk to Todd Woodcroft a couple of times. Seems like a great guy. Hockey is not my main forte, so I didn't know who Todd Woodcroft was prior to him getting the job, but certainly seems like a sharp guy and a guy who knows his stuff and a guy who has a big work ethic. What is it from you from an alumni standpoint? What do you want to see the program do to uh, to reestablish prominence nationally? Well, I think uh, it's it's so important to to get out and find some, some of these diamonds in the rough. I, I, I you know. It, 
I feel like uh, you, you've got to, there was, you got to get the, the alumni involved and get the people that were, were part of the program beforehand and, and get everyone kind of involved in the whole process of rebuilding. Um, you know, we've, we've had so much great talent go through this program. Um, guys have had so much success, have great stories to tell. Um, kind of utilizing that to to the to the UVM's advantage. Um, you know, I think uh, I was I was keeping up, and you know, of course, I, I just thought Coach Snedded was a top-notch guy and yeah. great coach, and did such a wonderful job in his tenure there, and uh, couldn't be more proud of what he's done there. And and obviously, sometimes these things happen, and you know, we. I don't know if it's the message that's lost or, you know, people try to, you know, want to do different thing, go somewhere else. But, um, you know, you just got to get it's recruiting. I think these these uh, these nowadays I talk to Marty a lot and yeah. he's involved in that stuff uh, a lot. And, um, you know, it's it's getting get getting down there and getting the work done and and, uh, you know, maybe coming to to Quebec yeah, coming to to uh, parents St. Louis somewhere. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? And, and you it's funny you mentioned that because what we heard throughout the, uh, the 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 coaching recruiting process was people wanted to see that Quebec Burlington pipeline reestablished and 25 years plus later you and Martin St. Louis are still the gold standard. People are like, "Hey, we got Perrin, we got St. Louis, we need yeah. more guys like that." What was so appealing to you about UVM when you started going through the recruiting process? Uh, well, when Marty and I were going through that, we, we always had that thing in mind that we, we wanted to be the difference makers. And when, you know, obviously we had a wide range of selection of, you know, universities, I mean, from, uh, you know, all the way out West and Michigan, Minnesota and uh, Maine and, you know, the, the top universities, uh, we went to, and we, we went to visit Maine and it was such a, awesome experience you know you had paul korea there and ferraro yeah. brothers and you got the i mean uh, sean walsh i mean what a you know what a great guy great coach and so for us it was uh you know that was that was amazing but we went to vermont and after discussing him and i was like well we could come here and we would be the one two punch guys and and really make a difference you know maine had their top guys yeah. So we wanted to make an impact right away. And that was important to us. Well, it's interesting that you say that because we always try to figure out what makes athletes at the pro level tick. And sometimes it's they want to win championships and sometimes it's they want to get money and sometimes it's they just want to play. What? So the motivating factor for you and through in the recruiting process sounds like it was you wanted ice time. You wanted ice time early on and you wanted to, uh, you know, to, to help rewrite some history books. And you certainly did that. It is. And I think for us, it was uh you know, we had a great rapport with Roger Grillo at the time. He was the top recruiter. He's the one that came to see watch us play all the time when we're in Hawkesbury or in the Quebec and Joliet. And um, he was always there with Joe, Joe Gervais. And, you know, for us, that rapport we had with him and he the, the amount of interest he showed us and made us believe that he would make us better. And um, so for us, that was – we knew that was a huge part of our development is being able to get the ice time 
and make an impact right away. I mean, not, not sit our first year and wait our turn. And we, we wanted to get better right away. And, um, you know, that's, you know, that's what was told to us. You guys come with us, you'll be playing right away and you'll be playing a lot. And that was important. One of the things that Todd Woodcroft has in his pocket is his NHL background. And Mike Babcock is coming in now as a volunteer assistant, obviously with an NHL background. People one, I'm, I'm curious, how much does a recruit who's, whether they're 17 or whether they're 21 coming in after junior hockey, do they want to hear, do they just want to be told, Hey, we will get you to the NHL or do they want to hear, Hey, you will play and you can help us win a conference championship or does it just vary athlete to athlete? I I think it varies, but I think the general message, I think from, uh, from being out here now uh, is, is where's the best place that I'm going to develop that I'm going to get better. I think that's, that's the whole point of this. Everybody's looking for, obviously, to get better, you have to play. So they have to find a place where they'll get that opportunity to play right away. But also, they're looking at the coaching, the reputations. Um, are they, you know, it, good coaching goes, it's a lot more vast today. It's not about winning the, all winning the games. I think it's all about developing the players and the players making sure that I'm going to go there and my game is going to really grow and give me the best chance I can to make that next step. And How, uh, that's important. You know, the, the the other thing I know about you and Martin St. Louis is I read, obviously, and been told about how close you are now. But it sounds like what I didn't realize was that you were that close coming in. I thought it was more you developed that relationship at UVM. But it sounds like that that really predated your time here. Yeah, obviously, you know, we were playing since we were 10 years old together. Oh, wow. Yeah, so when I moved from Regina, Saskatchewan, up, and I moved here to Montreal at 10 years old. We we played on the same line and same team ever since, all the way to first-year pro. So, you know, we, we had a long history, and we, you know, that's what made us better. We, we pushed each other to be the best. Uh, we had each other to get through those adversities, when people were trying to, to block our way and, uh, but we always found a way. And, you know, so obviously we use that to our advantage that we, we were two guys, not just one guy. And, um, yeah, you're both undersized players. I guess I put that in quotes, undersized players. Um, how, I don't know if difficult is the right word, but what was it like for you guys just getting an in at the division one level and then proving that you belonged, then ultimately proving you both belonged at the pro level as well? Yeah, we, we spent our whole youth and uh, college career, pro career, we spent it all proving people wrong. Hmm. And that was it. I mean, year after year, I mean, even from Peewees going to Bantams, oh, now there's checking, now they'll be done. And then, you know, we had to show them that, that wasn't true. Then we went to Midget AAA. Oh, well, these are the best in the whole province, and they're going to disappear. And sure enough, we were at the top again. And we always took on that challenge to proving people wrong. Um, you know, college coming in, and we had a lot of – People saying, well, you guys probably won't play a lot your first year. You know, these are men. These are big, strong men. You're coming in at 17. You, you're not probably. And we said, well, no, we're going to play. and We're going to play a lot. And, you know, so there was always that challenge coming up for us that we used to. And we used each other, you know, to get that strength to, to get through it. So 
it, it wasn't easy. And obviously, you guys know, uh, everybody knows Marty's uh, story with the NHL. And obviously, I have my own story with the long career, how, how long it took for me to get to the NHL. I was 28 years old when I got my first shot. I mean, you know, you, you have had to battle those things about being small and, uh, you know, people fearing that, that it won't work. And so it was uh, made, made us a lot stronger, for sure. What was that moment like when you got the call to the NHL? I think it was 03-04. You end up getting there, end of the regular season, playoffs with the Lightning, be a part of a team that wins the Stanley Cup. What was that moment like when you got the call? Do you remember where you were, who you were with? Yeah, I was with the Hershey Bears. Uh, we were affiliated with Tampa at the time. And uh, honestly, it was, a, it was a strange season. I was, for me, I mean, I started in the stands. It was a really tough year uh, to start. And I had to work my way up. Coach didn't know me. It was Colorado's farm team. Uh, so I fell behind and I started on the fourth line and I made my way up. And by Christmas, I was second leading scorer in the league and going to the all-star game. So everything kind of developed. But on the other side of things, Tampa didn't have one injury or they had injuries, but very little injuries yeah. all season long. So they didn't need any call-ups. And uh, so I was waiting. I was, you know, it's not nice, but you know, you think, well, there's going to be some injury at some point <laughs> and I can maybe get my shot for my first NHL game. Uh, there was four games left in the season for Tampa. So I had pretty much put an X on everything. Yeah, um, I was concentrated on helping the Bears make the playoffs. We had 10 games left uh, and we were fighting for our lives there. And we were in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton and uh, coming back after a game, tough game and in the bus. And uh, coach got up when we got close to Hershey. He got up in the bus and wanted to make like a speech out of it. And he announced it to me in front of the whole bus, in front of the whole guy. Mm -hmm that I was going to get my first shot in the NHL at 28 years old and how hard I worked for this and just kind of make it as an example for a lot of the kids that were there. So, uh, man, that was, uh, that was an unreal moment, unreal moment for me. I think that's so cool too, because, you know, when you're down, when you're at the minor league level, obviously there's elements of team, but a lot of it, I would think selfishly, there's a lot of individual play because you want to, you, you you want to advance up to the next level. So the fact that your teammates were so happy for you in that moment and the fact that your coach decided to do that in front of the team, I think that's a testament. One, I think it's a cool story. And two, it's got to be a testament to, to perseverance and what it really takes. It is. And also, you know, we're all fighting for the same thing. And that's what I found so special is, you know, you create a friendship with these guys, but there's always that inner competitive thing that they I'm the one who wants to be called up but when I got called up honestly these guys all got behind me and were so genuinely happy for me so that like it made me feel real good that I'm doing something right you know um to to have these guys support and um you know that was uh, that was amazing and then I, you know obviously I figured they're just calling me up for my to give me one game in the NHL hmm. to reward me for my hard work this year, maybe, or something like that. And then send me right back down to help the bears. And that was my kind of mindset when I was going there. Yeah. Um, because Tampa was the, the top team in the NHL along with Detroit, they were fighting for the president's hmm. trophy. So I said, they've got their team already set. So it's not like they need me. Um, uh, but I was wrong. I got there and it was a different message. 
How much did it mean for you to not only make the debut, but to make it with Marty? And then ultimately you win the Stanley Cup. That's everyone's dream. But I got to imagine it's it's extra special doing it with your best friend. Yeah, obviously we've had that conversation uh, actually uh, a couple times recently. You know, mm. like think about the odds of something like that happening. Like two kids growing up five minutes from each other, playing together all their youth and little guys you know, like the odds of that just making the NHL. Now, the odds of winning the Stanley Cup itself is very minimal. So for us to do it together, I was just it's, the stars lined up perfectly. And, uh, you know, we we reminisce on that a little bit. And uh, it's obviously it was pretty special. Well, we were talking before the uh, before we started recording that, you know, that I was recently laid off from the radio station. So uh, I'm going through maybe not the first, but my biggest form of adversity in my professional career. So as someone who's been at the highest levels and is, has been in the minors, has been overseas, has been um, cut from teams in the past, what, what's your advice to someone who's going through a rough patch professionally? You, you, it's what I've been doing for my nephew and a lot of the young guys that, you know, I played with at, towards the end of my career is you, you got to control what you can control um, which is put your head down, keep working, keep believing in yourself and, and trust that something will, something good will happen from it. Um, you're going to hit, you know, you're going to hit coaches that you don't get along with or don't like you or some certain situations, but you have to do everything in your power to change that environment, you know, and, like for me, when I was, I started in Hershey and I was being sat and in the stands and I was told you're not better than any of these other guys, hmm. you know, well, I could have easily just called my agent and said, I'm done over here. I'm not even coming back. But I said, well, you know, I'll show this guy. And I did everything in my power to change that environment, which is bust my butt in practice and, you know, make good things happen. When I was, when I did play in my minutes, I made sure that every minute was quality minutes um, you know, I, I didn't, you know, so that's my advice is like, you know, you, you got to trust that you, you keep putting in the work and something good will, will come out of it. So. Well, I appreciate that. So I'm looking for a success story like you as well. I'll get you out of here on a couple quick, more, uh, more fun ones. Can you imagine yourself in the NHL hub city bubble right now? Could you imagine playing the playoffs, never leaving the hotel, being in Edmonton or Toronto? What would that be like for you? Yeah, no, I, that's, this isn't uh, just tough physically. This is a, this is more a mental toughness thing yeah. being, being, being stuck there, you know, this whole time. And I mean, uh, obviously, you know, there's going to be great bonding between the players, but, uh, that's not seeing your families and, and, uh, obviously Coaches kind of like that, you know, because <laughs> there's no distractions, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, you know, the players are focused on the right things, but also, um, you know, you have phones. So it's not always nice at home when you're not there. And so I've been through that, you know, uh, I've had to live apart from my family for a little while. And, you know, this uh, it's not it's not easy. It's not easy as a sports guy. And then you have to learn to turn the switch to on and off. Uh, as much as you can uh, when it's hockey time, you have to be able to block out all the noise and what's going on in your life and, and get in that bubble. And uh, you know, and then also when you step away from it, 
being able to really step away from it, turn everything off. Um, so it, it's a challenge. You know, people uh, sometimes don't quite understand that whole process. Um, you know, hockey players, you know, well, you just do this, but it's always on your mind. You're, yeah. you're just inside and the sacrifices the families have to make through all this is, is just huge. Um, so, you know, it, it's tough to be there and go through that. But, you know, obviously the, the reward could be very big. In normal times when we can travel freely across the border, how often do you get to come back to Burlington? Uh, well, having just retired last summer, I mean, I, you know, I'm just now getting my, you know, my, uh, my life kind of transition yeah. back to, to North America. And so, but uh, I haven't been able to get back to Burlington much. We had that awesome uh, scrimmage uh, kind of game um, in uh, 16, where, you know, with all the guys from the final four year yeah. and, that was amazing to get back together with all those guys. So um, obviously I'd like to get back there a little more and, and revisit my, you know, um, you know, my, my university, my, the pride of us and, and what it, you know, what it gave us. So, um, and I hope that, you know, this coming back and getting my, my, my things in order and, and uh, that I'll be able to get back and go watch a game and, and hang out. I'd love to do that with Marty. That'd be awesome. Who's got better hair from a UVM alumni standpoint? You or Patrick Sharp? I saw Sharpie on TV. He's looking pretty good. <laughs> He's a tough one, man. But I still think I got him on volume. You know, <laughs> I got thick, thick hair. So he's got better style, but I definitely got him on thickness. <laughs> um, if you do get to come back to town, and maybe I hope this is a fair question, what's the, uh, the first place you want to go grab a beer or a good meal, either or? I don't know. Is Nichols still there? I don't think so. Man, that's tough. Anywhere on Church Street. There so you I, go. I, know I like Sweetwaters. Yes. Right. You know, uh, Church Street uh, Tavern. Yeah. Um, so those are the couple places that uh, were always nice to me. I know there's a ba our bagel place from the Tronos um, on the other side, not towards downtown, but the other way. So like to go back to those little places yeah in front of wow. al's french fries al's there al's french fries is still oh, here i just i had al's last week so but, uh, <laughs> it's not so good right now i don't know man <laughs> the weight's going up a little too fast right now <laughs> well once quarantine you know quarantine and quarantine ish stuff is over then we can all get back in the gym so that's, you got a good excuse right now so uh you would Eric, man, I appreciate it. Uh, we've never gotten to talk before in the in the last four years, so I'm glad we were able to and uh, look forward to doing it again sometime down the line. Absolutely. Thanks, Brady. I appreciate it, man.